We thought this morning it'd be good to do something different for you to hear from the staff as it comes to the issue of serving boldly. And we've asked Sean Kalaki to moderate or referee um, <laughs> this group. But let me just introduce to serving boldly. You know that one of our important statements is that we want to be wholehearted followers of Jesus. And it's very important, it's very clear that Jesus calls us to follow him. But sometimes the word wholehearted gets in our way. What we mean by that is very simply that what you do for Christ is not something that's just religious behavior. But it rises out of a deep sense of commitment to him from inside out. So our motivation for service is because of his deep love and grace in our lives. And wholehearted becomes very important each day because we say, how do I know if I'm wholeheartedly serving him? Well, we don't live in the past of our service or commitments that were made, but wholehearted services means today. What am I going to do today as he calls me to enter into a relationship with him, to serve him boldly today? Because today is what matters. And we do the best we can under God, recognizing that at times we don't feel like we're wholehearted followers of Jesus. But the point is, we desire each day to serve him. It's also very important for us to realize who we are as a community of faith. We're an intergenerational group of people. Intergenerational meaning all generations matter to us. In all generations, we want to together find expressions together where we can serve boldly our Savior. But we're also an intergenerational community. One of the most important things that people look for when they, they come to a spiritual home is community. We're a community that cares for one another. We're a community that, that serves together. And we want to make an impact. We want to make a difference. We're on a mission. We're on a mission. Together, and we're individually on a mission. I simply want to put this challenge before you. When I was growing up, my mom made it very, very clear that if I was part of the Hovestall family, I would fulfill my certain responsibilities and up on the cabinets was a list of all the things that I was spo- each one of us, all eight of us kids, were supposed to do to make sure that things got done in the family. If I didn't get things done, that was a problem. I suffered the consequences, I didn't get things done. But there was responsibilities that went with being part of the family. And I want to simply, my challenge to you is, every one of us, Every one of us has both the privilege and responsibility of serving. If you call this your spiritual family, you call this your spiritual home, you need to use your gift. Nobody sits on the sidelines. And I encourage you to do the one thing that God calls you to do. Don't have to do multiple things. Every one of us has to use their gifts. Nobody in the spiritual home sits on the sidelines because it's a privilege to serve. Well, in the spirit of nobody sits on the sidelines, here I am. Uh, good morning. I'm Sean Kalaki, and I'm a member of the lead team, and I'm here this morning um, to kind of moderate this discussion, this conversation. And I was really excited when Pastor Mark and the staff asked me to come up here and be part of this really different form of sermon where instead of just hearing someone speak at you, we enter into a conversation with all the staff and hear their personal answers to some of these questions. Uh, and at first I thought, well, this is just a reflection of my role on the, on the lead team. And then I realized it's probably because I'm a teacher and I know how to end a class on time. So, and I'm familiar with asking the questions. So we'll start off with some of these questions about how it is that, that the different members of the staff think about serving boldly and stepping out. And with that struggle that we all face sometimes of 
this was my predetermined plan, and this is God's plan, and his plan doesn't necessarily match up with what I had predicted I would do on Tuesday. So the sermon series we've been going through, The Way Forward, addresses rhythms and attitudes that we have uh, in the opportunity to both embrace and practice those in our life in a way that gives us the opportunity to tell the story of Jesus and invite others into that story. So I've got four questions this morning, and I'm just going to toss them out. And uh, not everyone will have an answer to every question, but we'll try and get through uh, almost everyone having some variation of an answer on all four questions. So question uh, number one, the first question, where in your life were you called to serve boldly? And when were you invited out of your comfort zone, uh, given a people or situation that might have been awkward or difficult to respond to, etc.? So where were you in your life called to serve boldly? Who wants to go with an answer to that. I'm not going to go down the, the line and call. <laughs> we all got these questions in advance, so it's not like we need time to think about them. Go for it, <laughs> um, When I think about serving boldly, um, most of you, I think, uh, have been here for a, a little while longer than me. I, I started on staff uh, about two years ago. And before that, my family and I were serving in Belize um, as independent missionaries there. And so when I think about serving boldly, that was a, I'm just going to be real with you, that was a really weird thing. <laughs> um, the, I, I took a trip, I used to work at KTIS, and they sent me on a trip down there to do some training. And while I was there, I just kind of fell in love with the country. And then that love kind of opened up my eyes to some great need. And I came back like uh, an excited puppy, just, <laughs> we, we got to move to Belize, honey, we got to move to Belize. And just like an excited puppy, I kind of messed the floor. And she's like, you enjoy your time in Belize. I'll be here with our small children. Um, but just to make it overly short, um, that call for us came differently. And I had to step out before it even made sense, um, which was really weird. Like, Carolyn and I had some uh, strange conversations where it was like, I feel this, this pull and this, this thing that you don't feel. And I don't want, I can't strong arm you. I can't twist your arm into going to that. And so that was a weird stepping boldly and really letting the Lord move in her heart individually without any weird guilt from me. Um, but not having it all together, but just stepping out and letting the Lord knit those things together. Just kind of like you were just teasing about, like, I thought I was going to do this on Tuesday, but I guess I'm doing this. And so that's super overly simplified of a three-year journey of this little idea that I had. Very different from three years later when I actually got to go with my family to serve there. Um, all right. So for me, um, quite a few years ago now, I started coming to this church and um, was asked to teach a class. And at first I thought, there's no way I can do that. That seems really hard and a lot of time. But I did it, and I found that I could do it and that I actually found it kind of fun. And then a little while later, about five years ago, um, a position opened up here at church, as you know, for the director of kids' ministry. Um, and I said, no way, I can't do that job. That looks really hard, and I don't have a seminary degree. How can I do that job? Um, but when I prayed about it, and some other people in the church encouraged me to apply for the job, when I prayed, the Lord said, but I will be with you. And so... I applied for the job, I got it, as you know, and it's been an amazing adventure ever since, realizing I could do way more than I thought I could with the Lord's help. 
So if we ask you to teach a class, <laughs> you never know where it's going to lead, right? <laughs> Um, my, uh, my experience was, uh, while I was in college, I was volunteering at a community center. Um, I was getting my degree in social work, and um, because that was kind of my wheelhouse, um, they needed someone to teach an anger management class for people who are court-ordered to be there. <laughs> So there, there were a lot of, um, you know, myself being young female, this was a group of all men um, who were in a different life stage, different, um, a lot of differences that were in the room. And it was incredibly uncomfortable. Um, and I remember the woman who organized kind of this sphere of the community center um, had a way of blending her faith and um, her work. And she would take me to the side and she would anoint my forehead with oil before I taught the class. And, and growing up in the Baptist tradition, that was not something that we did ever. Like it was just very outside of my comfort zone. And I remember like her anointing my head and me thinking, what in the world is gonna happen in this class? And it just freaked me out. Um, and in the moment, I know that that was God like stretching my heart and opening me up to something new. Um, and I don't think in the moment I appreciated all that was going on there as she would anoint me and, and pray a prayer blessing over my life. But now looking back on it, I think, um, what a unique and beautiful way of, um, of really opening up space for God to work, even though that wasn't something that we could give language to in these classes, like she was able to set me apart and call me out in a way that was um, really beautiful in reflection. And now I'm a lot more comfortable with the whole anointing piece and just um, think what a beautiful gesture of, um, of blessing in my life. So um, yeah, uncomfortable and definitely stretching, but years later in reflection, just a beautiful um, work of God in my life. I think of um, my first kind of step into service was my senior year of high school. I had just um, came to know Christ the year before, and um, my children's director at my home church asked if I would be willing to help in kids ministry. And so what ended up happening was that I taught the kindergarten class as a 17-year-old who like did not grow up in the church and had never like heard most of the stories I was supposed to be teaching um, those mornings. But I had this group of like five-year-olds and one three-year-old that had some separation anxiety from his brother. Um, and for an entire year, I was the kindergarten Sunday school teacher as a senior in high school. And it grew me and stretched me um, more than I think... I ever really even knew at the time. Um, but it was my first step into like some sort of formal ministry and now, you know, years later, here I am. But it was kind of that first, like they took a total chance on me um, and I stepped into it, I think with just like youthful um, boldness that I probably wouldn't have had if I wasn't 17. But um, it was like a really cool experience to see the way that my staff just kind of like cared for me and saw something in me and called it out. I, um, I wrote my master's degree, uh, my thesis on the care for the poor and oppressed from the Old Testament law. I hadn't picked that thing up for 30 years, but I picked it up the other day and looked at it and realized that that has really framed my thinking and my heart. Uh, over the years, my heart gravitates towards those who don't feel like they belong. 
and also those in society who don't feel like they belong. And over the years, Holly and I have stepped out and, and have ministered to people who are deeply hurting and don't feel like they belong. My heart goes there, but many times when we enter into that, I realize that it's not something that I really ultimately want to do because we realize the difficulties and we realize that there's very little success we've had over the years. Uh, I think of Jeremy, who I love dearly, like a son, and he's in prison in California. We had hoped that our time with him and investment in him would be successful, but in many ways it wasn't. But boldly calls us into the places where are not comfortable and calls us into places that are difficult, stretch us, it costs us, but that's where God calls us. And so, as I look back over my life, the many times we've done that, uh, I'm glad I did it, but when I'm in it, sometimes it's extremely painful and very difficult, but that's where God calls me and I think calls us. Thank you all for sharing. I think it's interesting to hear how we have different versions of the story, different aspects of it, and how uh, being called to, to step out boldly may involve going someplace or may involve using a talent that we have that we're not quite comfortable with or we don't fully realize is there yet. It may involve using things that we don't think are talents that, that we're stretched into when we grow into having these talents. Um, and so I think for all of us, it's interesting to, to think about our own lives and consider where is God calling me to stretch in almost every case, you use the word something similar to an expression about being stretched, being pulled, being pulled into an uncomfortable or awkward situation that you had to become comfortable with. And I think we can all relate and uh, maybe listen this week as we hear God calling us. Um, so question two, and this feels kind of like a Covenant Pines get to know you icebreaker question. <laughs> what biblical character would you be if you had to be any biblical character? Um, no, the question is, what biblical character or storyline do you relate to as you think about serving boldly? So, biblical character storyline that resonates with you with the theme of serving boldly. Okay, cool. I'll go. Um, <laughs> I, my biblical character that I really resonate with when I think of serving boldly is um, Esther. And when you think of Esther, you hear that phrase that, you, that comes out when you think of Esther um, for such a time as this. Um, it's a, a part of her story that she became a queen for a time um, to be able to free her people. But we forget that before she frees her people, she basically tells her cousin, like, no thanks, I don't want to do it. Um, because she is a um, Hebrew woman in the king's castle, and so she doesn't have the status. She doesn't have the, um, the right to ask the king for anything. And so when she gets asked to um, save her people by inter like interceding with the king, um, she tells her cousin, like, I can't do that. I'm just, like, I'm just a wife. Um, and I remember thinking, like, when I've read the story and as I've processed it over the years, that there are so many reasons that I, um, as a leader, as a, as a woman, um, disqualify myself from the things that God has called me to do um, because I'm too young, because I'm a woman, because I didn't grow up in the church, because X, Y, Z. Um, I'm not prepared to do it. And... Um, 
I love that Esther's cousin gives her some tough love and is basically like, listen, you're not exempt from this. They're going to find out that you're a Hebrew and you're going to die too. So you might as well do something about it. Um, which is kind of hilarious like to think about that like, like the reason that she ends up stepping up is because she's going to die anyway. And so what, like, why not just step up and do it? And so I, not that I'm going to die if I don't step up and do it, but, um, I just think that sometimes God creates us in a way and puts us in a place to be able to do something very specific and to be able to, um, step boldly into something. And when we disqualify ourselves, then, um, then the kingdom loses out. And so I just think of Esther and I think of how she was created for a time um, such as this, but she also, it's okay to sometimes think like, I'm not good enough to do this, um, but remember who God created you to be and who God calls you to be. So that's mine. Mine is uh, Barnabas. He's called the son of encouragement. And I think if there's anything that I probably, uh, part of my very much my DNA is to be an encourager of people. But there's two instances in Barnabas's life, both the positive and the negative. The negative one for people like Barnabas or like me is Barnabas was with Paul and with Peter up in the Gentile country with Cornelius. And they were eating with the Gentiles because they, the newfound faith in Christ allowed them, the Gentiles don't have to follow Jewish practices and they were among Gentiles so they were with, to do what the Gentiles do. Well, some of the Jews came up and when the Jews came up, there were two people who backed away from the Gentiles. It was Peter and it was Barnabas. And Paul called them out. And he called them out and said, why, this is not in accordance with the gospel. And so Barnabas is going to be such encouragers at times that this is the pitfall that at times we might uh, back off when we ought not to and, uh, and not uh, stand strong when we ought to. But the other instance where it's very important is when he, Paul and him had a, a confrontation over John Mark. John Mark had failed on their first missionary journey and they were ready on their second and, and, and Barnabas, the son of encouragement, said, we need to take John Mark and give him a second chance. Mm -hmm. And Paul said, absolutely not. We don't have people who flake out <laughs> involved in this kind of intensity of ministry. In fact, he's right to some extent. But the good part about Barnabas and the good about encouragers is that's where you stand strong and you say, hey, wait a minute. We're going to give second chances to people. And I'm going to come alongside them to encourage them because they need another opportunity. And so I think I resonate with Barnabas, both the, the positive and the negative. I know for me, um, my story of serving boldly really started with the story of Moses. Um, what I meant, shared earlier, um, that's where that came from, but I will be with you. Moses um, was at the burning bush, and the Lord told him, I want you to go to Egypt, and he didn't feel qualified at all. I can't speak very well. I was just kicked out of Egypt. I kind of murdered somebody there. Um, why me? Um, but the Lord said, I will be with you. And so he went anyway, and he did some amazing things and saved a lot of people and pulled them out of slavery. So it was pretty amazing for him to say yes. We give me the polite smile, like, yeah. is it you or me? I can just keep talking. Uh, okay, yeah, me too. That's, yeah, that's a problem. You know, I think like Pastor Mark, I, I see myself, uh, or I, I find uh, some unfortunate um, <laughs> things in the weaknesses of some of our biblical characters. I did not grow up going to Covenant Pines, so I've never thought about it. I actually found this to be a very challenging question. <laughs> I mean, I know it's not like, you know, 
serious business, like, oh, this is going to be your job or something. But I, I feel like um, Paul was always hurting people's feelings. He was a little bit too brash sometimes. I'm like, gosh, darn it. That's, I relate to that. Uh, Peter was like, yes, I'm going to do this. Oh, I'm totally not doing this right. Yeah. So I relate in both to both those guys. But I think when it comes to stepping out boldly uh, with regard to my area of responsibility and passion, I, I think about King David. Um, King David ushered in so much new stuff. You had the mosaic era of, of worship, you know, lots of ritual stuff, animal sacrifice, not to say that the divinic uh, season of worship uh, didn't have animal sacrifice. It had that too, but it's temple worship. It's so different. And if you want to read a, a chapter that you would normally skip over, First uh, Chronicles 25 talks about the specific people that were involved in worship. And there was like 288 students and like 880 musicians. So it's like 24 groups of 12 musicians that were responsible for worship in the temple around the clock. And that's just a little example of some of the stuff that was very different, obviously, from the Mosaic Age. And so in my um, past ministries, I've just been so many times um, part of some kind of change piece, bringing some kind of change. And that's not always uh, an easy thing. Um, but it's just something that I, I really see that has been part of my story of ministry is uh, changes in worship. And um, yeah, uh, King David, in all of his life, um, in his failures and his passion for the Lord, his songwriting, I just, there's so much there that is inspiration and caution for me. I think there's um, different seasons of life where different biblical characters connect a little bit deeper. And I, if I was going to say, um, like, this week in my life, who that was for me, it would be Mary. Um, not because she's female, where, because that's not the important part of the question here, but um, there's so much about her life, specifically, as you think, you know, to the, to the Christmas story, of her um, response to this angelic kind of prophetic word over what was coming. Her response being, um, let it be in me just as you have said. Um, and those words have just kind of been on rotation in my life lately um, because I, in many ways, wish I could be like Deborah, like, take, you know, here we go, take charge. But um, as I kind of keep coming back to Mary, I think about what it took for her to just surrender. And surrender does not mean I'm going to give up. Surrender means I know who is in control and I'm going to put my trust in that. And it's a choice that we make. And I find in my life, um, that is a choice I need to daily make because it's so easy for me to just want to take back the reins. Um, so to be able to um, see that in her life and knowing the context at what a young age she was doing that and able to step into that is just a really beautiful thing. So today, this week, it's Mary. <laughs> I like it. There you go. Thank you. And we know if... Musician service swells to 880 musicians. We know where Chaz got the inspiration. <laughs> he, and he cited Chronicles. Can we just talk about chronicles. citing Chronicles? It's a weird, it's the, one of those things you look at, like, and here's the list of names, and I'm like, and I'm skimming. I can't pronounce this anyway. I mean, it's, but it's, it's very specific. It's great. I love that. So let's move on to the next question here quickly. Um, what spiritual practices have been helpful to you in order to live a life of service? So kind of the daily spiritual practices that are helpful to live a life of service. Let me go first because I'll start with a laugh. Uh, stillness. <laughs> um, okay, no laugh. Man, rough room. I, 
I don't know if you noticed, but I run around here Sunday mornings. People try to talk to me. I'm like, just walk with me, which I mean, like, jog with me. Um, something he's, that he wasn't joking about the puppy analogy. No, no. <laughs> I, I'm not a journaler, but I have like three of them. I, I, I get into it for a minute and I leave it, and then I, I'm like, why did I write this stuff in here? This should be a different journal. Um, but, but yearly, at least once a year, I try to get away to the Boundary Waters. I just got to do that with a, a buddy of mine a few weeks ago, just for quiet. And um, there's just so much. My brain has always been kind of active like this. Um, and I was that kid that was running to class late or even early. I just was running. Um, and I still kind of do that. I'm always tinkering with stuff. And it's just really helpful for me to get away, away from all the wires and lights and details and just dig into God's Word. Um, I just fill up a journal, and it's not even like things that are particularly profound. I just will write a little passage and wrote, almost like paraphrase the passage just because when you're alone and you're removed from your normal routine, it's just amazing to me how um, God's Word comes alive and you find it. You talk about connecting with different people and uh, different characters. Like, wow, I've never thought about this aspect of this. Or you're making connections. You're like doing your own cross-referencing. Like, wow, that really informs what I believe about this. And when I'm as much as I try to get away to caribou just to get out of the office or different things, um, when you got kids and a wife and responsibilities and worship and wires to set up, it's just, I, I find that practice of stillness. It has to be a very intentional act, and it usually takes me a, at least a day for my brain to not really think about these other things. So, Mine's going to not sound like a spiritual practice, but I promise it is. Um, Mine is the, the spiritual practice of community. Um, I am the type of person that I am the last one to know things about myself, um, especially in the, like, stepping into gifts or serving. And so um, practicing having community that has access into my life to be able to speak truth and to speak things that they see in me um, is kind of a spiritual practice in itself. I think I also journal and, you know, read my Bible and all the other things, um, but really being intentional with the people I surround myself with um, that are willing to kind of go there with me and tell me things that I may want to hear or may not want to hear, um, but just really having that open community. You, you, you took the one that was obviously not a spiritual practice, but we were both thinking about <laughs> um, And the way I thought about that, too, was just like the discerning practice of being together as a community. I think that we often think about service as something that we step into on our own. Um, but clearly, just even in the biblical stories we shared, there were people around them or people speaking into their lives that allowed them to take those steps of faith. And so... Um, for me, there's so many things that tug on my heart that um, go through, scroll through my Facebook feed or Instagram or I'm listening to the news and I feel like, ah, oh, we need to be a part of that, we need to be doing that, or there's some new idea I want to go. And so to be able to use a community to be able to say, hey, this is what's going on in my heart. Is that resonating with you? Do you, do you feel that way too? And to be able to discern that together um, and take the time to do that, but also to listen to God together um, helps that yes and that step of faith be a little bit more clear when you're going together instead of um, doing it alone. So I think that's a really, community becomes a really important spiritual practice that I think sometimes we um, don't value enough or take the time to do. Um, for me, um, 
quiet is very important to me because my, my world is pretty loud. I have four boys at home and I like to be around kids and there's lots of devices around. And so for me, just to get away, be alone with God, it's usually on my deck in the back of my house when it's not too cold out. Um, but I just feel it fills me up and um, I get the word in, in my heart and I just spend time breathing, meditating on the word. And that fills me right up so that when I am with serving in the church, that what comes out is a lot better than otherwise. <laughs> um, Paul calls this a secondary importance, but it is very important for me is exercise and keeping in shape has a direct correlation to our spiritual lives. When you have energy and when you have, it, it affects us spiritually. But for me, in my office is a chair, I sit in there and I, you know, to me, reading scripture, that to me is, that's my primary uh, element of that activates me as a Christian. And then just to take time to pray. Praying for my, uh, first of all, I always start with thanksgiving. You know, I start with a whole litany of thanksgiving because I think that's where we need to start. Then I get into the prayers for my wife, my family, uh, those ones are, are easy. I pray for elements of the church. That's fairly easy for me. But when it comes praying for our country and praying for the world, that gets very dicey to me. Mm-hmm. I just sometimes say, God, I throw my arms up and say, God, would you do your will in our world? But those are the things that are really important to me. And when I don't have those times with scripture and prayer, it really affects me spiritually. Mm-hmm. All right. So the teacher in me is saying that we're drawing close to the end of our time together. And I think we've got one more question left. And I think I will leave that as a mystery. I will leave this last question as something for you to be able to engage with these people up here and engage them in conversation and say, so I'm curious, what question didn't you get to answer up there? Or I loved your answer about X. Can you tell me more? Or I didn't understand. And I think I was really excited to hear about the format of this sermon replacement this morning as a chance for discussion and dialogue. I love getting to know your hearts on these questions and hearing you just kind of answer, you know, spontaneously about what what these questions mean to you. And I think all of us um, could get some benefit in continuing these conversations and thinking about these same questions in our own lives. So thank you for being willing to come up on stage and answer questions in an unstructured way. And we look forward to the chance to dialogue with you more uh, in the weeks coming ahead. Mm-hmm. Great. Thanks. Maybe we'll do it again, Sean, and we'll bring you up. <laughs> All right. Um, as we wrap up this morning, we wanted to give you an opportunity to um, kind of just engage um, in a little spiritual practice this morning. Um, one of the things that as we are in the series called The Way Forward is that we wanted to take some time to reflect on what are those rhythms of our faith that we feel like specifically Roseville Covenant, we need to engage as a community in order to move forward into um, our new fall rhythm. And so last week we talked about um, rest and we practiced silence, which it was so interesting for me this week to kind of hear some feedback from some of you um, on that. Um, specifically, we have some folks in our community who, um, who said, you know, we used to do that all the time. Our pastor always started off with two minutes of silence, and I love that. Um, and then others of them said, oh, that was too long. Like, <laughs> that was way too long. It's a, it's a spiritual discipline that not many of us are used to, and so I just appreciated your ability to open up some space for that. 
This morning, we want to invite you to reflect on one of the questions that the staff reflected on up front. And that is, what biblical character kind of is, are you drawn to in this season of your life? Um, and specifically, I want you to think about um, this, is, this as a spiritual discipline because um, it calls something out of us. It reminds us of the things that we might need to see in ourselves. It gives us a picture of where God is. Maybe he feels far off and distant. Maybe he feels close to you in this season. Um, and maybe even as we were talking about it, something jumped to mind for you. Like if I was up there, here is who I would say, or this is this biblical storyline that I relate with. Um, I want you to think about this too for just a moment before you like read and start kind of running through all these questions. I also want you to think about it as a tool for sharing your faith with other people. Because here's what happens. As we think about what's going on in our season of life and we're spending time with our friends and we're talking about you know, our workload or we're talking about our family life or talking about the things that we like to do, it, it, it makes for a natural kind of um, ease into the conversation to say, you know, that reminds me of this person in the Bible. Um, and it becomes a part of your natural conversation instead of saying, you know, now I'm gonna share Jesus with you. It just becomes taking the biblical story and connecting it with our story, okay? So I want you to take a few moments and we're just gonna play some music for a little bit. And I want you to just invite God to share with you and maybe to speak into your life a biblical character. Maybe it's someone you learned about way back when in Sunday school. Maybe it's someone recently you've been reading your Bible and it stands out to you. Um, a biblical character that you're just relating with in this season of your life. And then on the screen, there's some other questions and you can feel free to use those as prompts over the next couple minutes. But we're just gonna take like two minutes and reflect on um, biblical characters today. So there's gonna be some music and you can just be quiet before God. Um, let me just pray for this time. God, we just thank you for who you are and we thank you for your um, story to us, that you've given us a narrative that we get to step into. So would you just reveal to us now um, and speak into our lives and our hearts those things that we need to notice. And God, maybe today you're just quiet with us. Um, and that's okay. Allow us to use the space and the silence and the stillness to just grow something in us that we need to engage. In your name we pray. Amen. anyone, um, for just a minute, would anyone be so bold as to just name who came to mind for you? And you don't have to give the reason necessarily for that, but what are some of the people that are coming to mind, that the people that we're drawn to in this season of your life? Say that again, Einer. Andrew. Thank you. Naomi. Naomi. I'm, I'm hearing a lot. We have Martha, who said Martha over here? Yes, Pam, thank you for that, Martha. I mean, we, after the service, maybe you wanna walk up to someone and say, tell me more about that. And then there was another one called out over here. Where was that? Lydia. Lydia. Yeah, thank you for that. Any others? Where was that Ruth from? 
Yeah, thanks, Sharon. Ruth. John? Yeah. John. One or two more? Thomas. Thomas, yeah. Otherwise known as Doubting Thomas. Is that the Thomas you're afraid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. Uh huh. Anyone else? It's interesting to think about as we uh, preach through and talk through as a community different uh, biblical stories, how that's hitting different people. Because some of the ones that you've named, those won't come to mind for me, but they might in a different season of life. So I just appreciate the ways as a community we're able to speak to these different areas. There's a responsive closing that we want to respond, so Kevin put that up there, and I will start, and then you will respond. Father God, you have called your people in every age to use the gift you have given them in service to you. Fill us with the love of Christ and the power of the Spirit as we carry out churches in his. Grant us wisdom, patience, hope when we lose our focus and direction. Give us joy in serving your church and keep us faithful to our calling for the ministry springing up within our community and the callings we are committed to carrying out. We praise your name, O Lord. Give us energy, vision, and compassion as we use our gifts to serve others in your name. Amen.